Well, I, I think it's time we get back to some fan favorites, Brando. I thought everything was a fan favorite. You never know with these guys. The public is fickle, my friend. Let me tell you that much. They can turn on you. They're worse than a crazy ex-girlfriend. So what you're saying is the the Great Dive podcast listeners and fans are kind of like crazy ex-girlfriends? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, don't fall for the uh, you're the only one. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you're not. Wait, you're not. You don't mean candy, do you? <laughs> no, no. You don't mean Ashley, do you? <laughs> Ashley's on center stage. Give Ashley a big, uh, a big round of applause. Show her appreciation. What are you? Are you looking up stripper names? <laughs> Top, I looked. I looked up crazy girlfriend names. Ashley, oh, Ashley, number one. Give it up for Sapphire. <laughs> No, so uh, after the last couple of weeks, I think uh, we've we've had some requests for getting back to some photography, and I do want to get back to some photography because you know getting that camera, I've, I'm I'm getting excited for it. Well, as you should, I'm getting excited for that little manual setting now. <laughs> it's I, I like having that thing in my hand, knowing I have to take the picture. That's what she said. Um, it's the opening the doors to creativity that I think gets people excited. Although some people just go for tech shit, you know? I kind of used to be that way. Tech stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely more into it for the, for the creativity. I know. I figured as much. In fact, if I could have a camera tech, I'd prefer it. But then you lose the creativity. Somebody else, it's in somebody else's hands. That's, that's the one part that scares me about the underwater photography is knowing that one one minor failure. Blah, 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 You mean uh, flooding your housing? Is that what you're getting at? Did you just say it out loud? You just said it out loud. You <laughs> son of a bitch. You got to face you your demons. You never say it out loud. You got to face your demons, man. Become, uh, I don't want to say become friends with it, but earn his respect. You don't got to be friends with your demon, but you should buy him a beer every now and again. If you see him out. Both of you. It should be a mutual thing. Your demon should earn your respect and versa visa. Well, another one of our fan favorites is definitely looking at some lessons for life. And today, we're going to blend the two. And we're going to take a look at that demon. And uh, if, if you don't give the demon the respect. Bad things. And this is good timing as we enter into the end of October, the eerie days of October and Halloween on its way. Uh, it's your favorite holiday, isn't it? I know it is. It is. Hey, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're here with good old Jammin' the Shutter Jamesy. <laughs> Jamming the shutter, Jamesy. And dancing with the demons, Brenda. Dancing with demons, baby. I like it. I was I was going to say drinking with demons. It's more like it. Drinking with demons. There yeah. you go. That's, dancing that's and more, drinking. It's a you're date. Kind of a, you're kind of a guy with two left fins, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Dating demons. Yeah. <laughs> Dating demons. A little dancing, a little drinking. Are you saying <laughs> Destiny was a demon? No, Destiny was on stage three. <laughs> oh, no. I'm thinking of Portia. <laughs> Portia, yes. <laughs> yes, she was a demon for sure. So as we get ready to dive into another scuba diving magazine lesson for life, 
about photography this time. One of the takeaways that, you know, like this little clinic we're getting to in this workshop we got coming up this weekend, um, what's different about this photography workshop that we're doing is it's covering a part of photography that is rarely discussed in a photography class. Because most photography classes are busy focusing on this is the shutter, this is ISO, right? This is an F-stop. This is, you know, post-production. And it fails to discuss what I would consider the main part of underwater photography, which is the fact that you're underwater. Yeah, you're diving. <laughs> you're diving first. You're di- it's always that you're diving first. And to be a good underwater anything, you have to be a good diver. And that means you need good buoyancy control. And you need to understand that at the end of the dive, you still got to come up no matter how good of a picture you're planning on taking. Yeah, that that picture you got, if even if it's the greatest picture in the world, if it's your last, it's probably not a job well done. You know what I mean? Right. And in fact, I would, I would even say that uh, it's actually an unsuccessful shot. It, it, it's, if it ends up being your last shot because you died, I don't care how good it was, that shot was a failure. However, on the bright side of things, if there's a silver lining to this incident that we're discussing, this hypothetical incident that we're just creating right now, if there's a silver lining to it, it's that in the art world, it becomes more valuable if the artist is dead. Know what I'm saying? And if this was the picture and it, it's capturing something even remotely related to your demise, there's silver lining. Your family might be rich or wealthy. That, well, that's why I'm going to, at the end of the year, I'm going to put out a photo book of my best photos of the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to title it The Last Photos of James Mott. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> And then, and then next year, I'm going to come out with the, really the last nasty. photos, the, the last photos of James Mott, volume two. <laughs> it's like the going out of business sale, the perpetual yeah, right, right. going out of business sale. So this article is titled, Photography Takes a Life. Again. Yeah. And I would say, uh, well, we can say again, that's. This is what happens if you get caught up in the moment and you're underwater doing anything. Yeah. I mean, this could easily be, you know, from other things we've done, exploration takes a life. Yes. Scootering takes a life. Uh, Underwater pumpkin carving. In light of Halloween, underwater pumpkin carving takes a life. Damn it. That son of a bitch had it coming. And this he didn't. <laughs> he didn't like my jack o' lantern. <laughs> what about this uh, zombie apocalypse diver? What, uh, whatever goes on in that class takes a life. Anything. Well, and, and, and we've done these in the past. Training takes a life. Can it take a life, James? If it's already dead, if it's a zombie, can it take a life? I mean, the zombie could take a life, but I mean, the yeah, zombies. Yeah, but the zombies. Dead. Let me explain this to you. Okay, let, please. Uh, we need to we need to have a real discussion for once. Okay, right? they're called 
They're called the living dead. I don't know if you're aware of this. It's the living, the dead. The dead, when the dead rise from their grave and the dead are coming back to life. So they're becoming living then. So they're not yes, dead anymore. They're the living Is dead. It, can you be dead and alive at the same time is the question. Obviously. Have, have you ever, have you not seen then the, they're not the dead. magic? If the they're magic living. that is the George Romero trilogy. <laughs> if they're dead, they're not living. And if they're living, they're not dead. It, that's what, you know, you got a little you know, spectrum meter there. If, if you're on one end of it, you can't be on both ends at the same time is what I'm getting at. You have, you have the life spectrum, which is dead and living. Okay, so that was my, I'm just thinking about that. Can you have a tragedy if you're a zombie diver since you're already dead? But you're saying you're the living dead, which you're the living can you go dead. back to being the dead dead then? Is well, my question. yeah, when you get shot in the head with a spear gun, then you got to shoot him in the head. You got to <laughs> shoot him in the head. Why do you think I got you kicked out point. of last? Why do you think I got kicked out of last year's zombie apocalypse? Then? <laughs> you got a point. You got a point. I shot Carl in the head with a spear gun. <laughs> he they was were dead pissed. already. Yeah, but he, he was dead already. He was dead inside. Everything grew quiet and still. The other divers finally had moved down the wreck. That was when Claude liked it best. He could really focus on what he loved. Macro photography. I fucking love macro photography. Fucking love that shit. (laughs) You ever do macro photography, James? Yeah, now... um Again, I'm I'm just getting into the fo- photography game. You've given me your macro photography or your macro camera setup in the past, and I do I do enjoy it. That's a that's a whole other world too. That that we'll talk it's about a whole the different stuff later. But mm-hmm. I think it's even easier to get lost in the moment on macro than it is on wide angle. Yeah, when you put your focus down to like the size of a dime, your camera settings really have to get dialed in on those. You have to take your f-stop and dial that aperture way down, and you got to get a lot of light in there. And you got to stay real still because you've got the aperture dialed way down. You're going to probably have to put that shutter speed right on the border of, of being able to get away from the camera shake and still get the picture with uh, adequate light. So, yeah, macro can be challenging, especially in the waters we dive in where it's, where it's already a little dark, you know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. The shoot one of the I would say the easier parts of shooting wide angle is you have to have like the big eye. Right. So it makes it easier to have your eye open to where your buddy is in the water, where everybody else is in the water. Whereas when you go macro, you're really gonna target fixate, which is one of the main things you're trying to avoid when you're underwater with a camera. Exactly. It gets to be a very um, attention-stealing. That's why I think a lot of macro photographers just go alone. They just go solo because as a macro photographer, you're taking pictures of very tiny subjects. You're not taking pictures of your partner or your dive buddy, your dive team. So what's the dive team doing? They're watching you. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, if you are, you're taking pictures of your dive buddy's inflator button. Yeah, and you could do that on the surface, goddammit. <laughs> but both people get like, okay, I don't want to pay attention to the guy taking pictures, and the guy taking pictures doesn't want to pay attention to me. So they just do their own thing. So essentially you're diving alone. Yeah, yeah. So when you start to really 
fixate on something small like the flamingo tongue on the sea fan or the clownfish in the anemone or the blue ribbon eel sticking his head out of the coral, you're going to lose that awareness Easily. of everybody around you. So, yeah, you either need to be prepared that, yeah, I am solo, or you're going to have to have a really, really understanding buddy. A suggestion, though, what you can do is divide up responsibilities. So you got the photographer, and macro requires a lot of lighting, like I said, because you're going to dial down that aperture. So it's it's very tiny, which gives you a long focal plane. So you can give the lighting to your partner. And tell them, I want you to hold lighting in place for me. And that way, both of you know each other right there for each other. Yeah, for sure. Divide it up. Do it as a team. That's why we need to come up with a class, underwater gaffing. (laughs) That's basically (laughs) what it is, isn't it? Yeah, but a good gaffer can bring true genius to the picture. Oh, no doubt about it. Gaffers win Academy Awards. God damn it. You don't see too many gaffers. See, the thing with still photography on the surface is you don't really need a gaffer. The photographer is the gaffer, and he just sets up his lights where he wants to be. But you really don't have to worry about drowning or equipment malfunctions, you know, as far as life support equipment when you're on the surface. Exactly, which is the difference with underwater photography and everything else is you're diving he could really focus on what he loved macro photography macro fucking photography macro photography and melissa (laughs) (laughs) she'll be coming out right after destiny he needed to be still and quiet for the small animals to come out of their hiding spaces on this dive He was waiting for the perfect shot of a clownfish in an anemone. The little guy wouldn't cooperate, but Claude was patient. He lay down on the deck in front of the large anemone, breathing and waiting, waiting and breathing, breathing and waiting. Isn't that basically what life is? (laughs) Waiting, breathing. If I asked my 93-year-old grandpa what what life is, he would probably say breathing and waiting. Waiting and breathing, breathing breathing and waiting. (laughs) It gets to be that point. His camera to his face and his finger on the shutter button. He took a few photos as the small fish moved around, but none was exactly what he wanted. You know when you just got to wait just for things that just fall together just perfectly. Those pesky yes. fish just zipping and zagging and ah, ah, just so close, so close. And there Claude was waiting and breathing, breathing and waiting. Finger on the shutter. Claude barely moved a muscle, forgetting everything, right up until he attempted to take a breath, and there was nothing there. Dang, son. What the hell? Son of a... (laughs) So now you're just waiting. (laughs) No more breathing, just waiting. Waiting... And there Claude was, waiting and waiting now, waiting and waiting. And waiting. And thinking, should I still be waiting? 
If only that clownfish would just hurry up, because I don't have anything left to breathe. So let's uh, let's learn a little bit about old Claude the diver. Claude was 32 years old, and he enjoyed diving, long walks on the beach. He was a Scorpio. Definitely, uh, he's a Scorpio. He loved Melissa, but but their their horoscopes weren't in sync, which left him a little thing for Amber. I thought, Amber, I didn't know Amber was even in the picture. I thought he, I thought he was going with um, Chardonnay. Chardonnay will be on stage two. Speaking of which, we have uh, two for one white wine spritzers. <laughs> so come on, folks. Let's show some uh, let's show some love to those uh, waitresses and those girls up on the stage. Two for one, two for one, Chardonnay. And as much as Claude loved a good wine spritzer, Claude enjoyed diving, but it was not his passion. It was not his passion, Brando. He had grown bored sightseeing underwater, even though he was a fairly new diver with an advanced open water certification. What what does this tell you? He's a new diver. He's got his advanced open water card, and and he's bored already. And he's about to die. Well, and he's about to die. I mean, really, he's bored. Uh, It tells me that there's something huge missing out of his education. If you can still be new and advanced, you've already done it all that you're bored. This is, uh, you know, this is the the thing that, that, you know, you you and I hear a lot. You know, just, you know, teaching like the classes that we've done recently. And, you know, you really get somebody to really start to dial themselves into the water to Mm -hmm. that they really start to look pretty. And they finally, you know, get that trim and balance. And they learn to, you know, God forbid they learn to do a back kick. You know, you learn to do a back kick and you've got it all. Next stop. Technical trimix. Exactly. Cave uh, exploration. I've you know, got to go I, to the nth degree. I go right to the top. <laughs> exactly. Right to the top. I've got 40 dives. Just take me all the way to the top. And and is that not going to lead to this exact thing? Like 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 yeah. when when you as an instructor give somebody, you, you take them right to the apex of their education and you let them skirt past all those important experience building fundamental dives like in that range like in those ranges like when you go from i'm open water certified right to advanced and you go right into that 80 100 foot mark of depth there's hundreds thousands of dives that you've just missed and you're just going to blow off now because you've got the deeper certification i'm not going to do the 30 40 foot dive i'm an advanced open water diver clearly (laughs) don't you know who i am (laughs) Yeah. Right, and then somebody gets that you know technical level. At, well, they're not, I'm not going to do an 80 and 100 foot dive. Take me right to 150, 160 feet. Yeah, that that points to the the diver types. Remember, we had our, our episode about the different diver types, and and actually, you do away with the journey if you could. You're really missing out on diving. I mean, if the goal was to get that stupid ass card and not do any diving. What what's right. the point of the card? You know? In my opinion, there should be an agency for that. That you could go right to full, full deep cave exploration <laughs> trimix on your first class. Go down, take your pictures, 
then get out. Get See you out. later. Yes. Move on to your next thing. Leave, it would be better for us all in the big picture, wouldn't it? Oh, hell yeah. You know, again, I get, hate to harp on the same things we harp on all the time, but that's what the har- the marketing and the greed and the advertising to that person, that person that wants that little badge, the Boy Scout badge, which is, you know, what the scuba industry, mainstream scuba industry was modeled after. But don't forget that between nothing and the badge, there's a whole world of experience to be had. And, and that's the real fun, Thank the real you. Yeah. essence of diving. Yeah, well said, well said. Anyway, I'm, Claude's already on my nerves. Sorry, Claude. <laughs> you know, this whole, I'm, I'm an advanced diver, fairly new I've I've decided to take up macro photography and I'm pretty bored. Oh, by the way, I ran out of gas. Oh, by the way, <laughs> I hate when people say that and I just I just did it. Oh, by the way, but when he discovered photography, everything had changed. He wasn't bored anymore, Brando. And he 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 already had won a couple of local contests through his local dive club, a couple of photography awards. He had dreams of making it big and traveling the world as an underwater photographer. Claude had also come... That was pretty goddamn quick. <laughs> There's a new diver. Just got his advance card. I'm bored with diving. I'm going to become a professional underwater photographer. I, I just changed my mind. I'm no longer bored. I want to travel the world <laughs> as a photographer. Claude had also come quickly to realize that his dive buddies didn't understand his focus on photography. They didn't mind diving with him, but they wanted to explore the entire site, not just sit still in one place to capture the perfect image. And after a few frustrating dives, he and his friends agreed that they would begin the dive together. But when Claude found something he wanted to photograph, he would peel off. His buddies knew he would join them at the end of the dive. Right now, is is this not one of the things that is a plague on the new diver that gets a camera? Is the assumption is <laughs> um it's my buddies that are the pain in the ass. <laughs> Because they don't understand the yeah. magic I'm trying to make with taking the picture. It's it's they are the ones that don't want to stay around with me while I take the picture. They want to go swimming over the whole reef when when we should just be staying right here on this little coral head. Right. Never mind that it's no fun for anybody else. <laughs> and, unless you figure out a way to make it fun. And then, like, like so that's the thing is that, you know, again, this is what building a dive team should be doing is, is you understand there's different roles in the water and you figure out a way to, to do a dive that everybody's able to enjoy it. And you don't just get on a boat and because the, I've got blue fins, you got blue fins, you get buddied up together because the two of us need buddies. I want to take a picture of a sea fan and a moray eel at the bottom of that sea fan, and you want to go swim along the whole entire reef, those two divers should not get buddied up together. No. No, that's a bad combination. Yeah, in order to be a, a, a team in the water, you have to have a clear dive plan 
and both of you be accepting of that plan and being on page with it. It's kind of a critical step in any team. Yeah, that's that's the first part of it. Isn't that the first part of the dive, really? Get, get, getting a plan together and, and communicating the plan and everybody's on the same page with it? Yeah, like you couldn't have a sports team where half the team thought, let's aggressively go after scoring more points, and then the other half the team thinking, stay back and, and protect what we have. And going off in different directions, the mere fact that Claude knows he's going to peel off when he feels like it. Yeah. And then his buddies know that, hey, eventually Claude's just going to leave and do his own thing is proof in the pudding that there is no dive team here. And what's often said on a dive boat to, you know, do the proper accounting for the the dive roster, that there's an A and a B and an A and a B and, a, and everybody's accounted for with a buddy, doesn't necessarily take place underwater. It's just we're all going to come back to the anchor line together, hopefully. And that's the end of the buddy. Yeah, keyword is hopefully. So the dive was on an artificial reef down in the warm tropical waters. An old shipwreck that they dumped down there 20 years ago. It was covered with marine life. There were small animals that blanketed the structure while larger pelagics cruised outside. Claude loved this site for the diversity. He could find just about anything here as he built up his portfolio. Even though the wreck was in 100 feet of water, the sun still easily filtered to the bottom through the clear water. Claude entered the water from the dive boat with his friends. They dived together as a group. He stayed with them until they all made it to the mooring ball. The rest of his group, two dive buddy teams, began swimming down the side of the wreck as the dive master had suggested, working against the current. But Claude hung back. After searching for a while, he found what he was looking for, tucked into a corner of the structure. What was it? What was he looking for, you think? The blue spiny miniature anemone, only um, three of them in the world ever found. Also known as Destiny. <laughs> Destiny. Some of these names are insane. Helvetica. The name Helvetica is a stripper name. Helvetica is not, also a font. Uh, just right, FYI. So it's a, it's a, it's what I type in. <laughs> it's a it's a common, very uh, elegant and beautiful font. Helvetica. <laughs> Would you ever name your kid after a font? I would never name my kid because I'm not having one. Well, if you theor- – okay, your dog. What about a dog? You think you might get a dog one day? What about a squirrel that comes to your house and you occasionally throw a little food out for him? Oh, I do. I got a squirrel. What's his name? San, San-, San- Serif. <laughs> <laughs> Claude was confused when he attempted to breathe from his regulator and got nothing. He looked around, wondering if someone had played a trick on him. With his second attempted breath, panic began to set in. He needed air, and none was coming. How does it get to that point? 
Right, right. I mean, you're totally, completely oblivious. oblivious. You are there's no, yeah, there's no awareness whatsoever. Not to be critical of the, you know, I guess the point of our uh, us doing these, I learned about diving, is to be critical, in the sense of like showing the problems that are, are happening and, and saying how does this happen? You know, question how this happens, and of course. There's more to uh, learning from an accident than just p- pointing fingers because the accident's over, hindsight's twenty twenty, and that's not what we're about. But something like this, still. And, I mean, I, I get, I get it in a way. If like you're on a dive and you're swimming, you're working. You didn't realize you were working as hard as you're working. You're chugging through gas, and you run out of air. I can, I can somewhat see that. I'm not justifying it, but I'm just comparing it to Claude's laying on the bottom of the wreck, like hidden down behind a structure, just waiting for the perfect shot and just like slowly breathing every single drop of gas out. It's not like he's being taxed by multiple stimuli from the outside of having to swim, having to keep up, fighting the current. He's got bad trim. He's struggling with his buoyancy. His kick is sloppy and sucks, so he's burning a bunch of gas that way. He's just laying on his belly on the bottom. You know what this is, though? This is uh, inexperience. Absolutely, it's inexperience, right? And that's not, I mean, is that not what I was talking about a moment ago? Of, of why is it that everybody, you know, just wants to rush people right to the end, right to the, right to the glamour shots? of everything in scuba instead of building up good experience. Don't get it, but yeah, exactly. I... He needed air and none was coming. He looked around wildly for any help and began swimming toward the surface. He finally saw another diver making a slow ascent up the anchor line, kicked towards him in his panic Claude kicked off a fin and dropped his regulator out of his mouth. The second diver realized Claude was in trouble. He quickly freed the second stage regulator from his pony bottle and swam toward Claude. Lucky you got that pony bottle. They met at around 60 feet, and the second diver had to shove the regulator in Claude's mouth. You know what would have been a cool uh, tangent to take this story? is that that line they met at about 60 feet. Now, if Claude actually met the woman of his dreams at 60 feet, and she she was there for him, you know? Her name was Rubella. <laughs> at 60 feet? <laughs> if he's going to meet somebody at 60 feet, he's going to meet, like, Skyler. Skyler oh. hangs out at 60. I thought she was a little deeper than that, but... Yes, yeah, Skyler, or are you looking at the same stripper names that I'm looking at? <laughs> Cottonelle. Cottonelle is an actual stripper name. If we have any strippers no, no. listening, do you think we have any strippers listening to the Great Dive Podcast? I'm sure there's a few. I'd like to know if they could write in and, and tell us what the names no, of those, her coworkers those are. are. Not, those are not, like, you're looking at something crazy. This no is... Strippers. Oh, this is from the iZombie Writer's Room, a list of potential stripper names straight from the Writer's Room whiteboard. No, 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 no. Yeah, none of that's real. Rubella. 
count now. <laughs> yeah, that's like I don't quinine. Know. <laughs> right. That's that's not real stripper names. Damn. A it. real stripper name is Sunshine. Sunshine is a good one. Yeah. Strawberry. It says, "What is your name if you were a stripper? Use the third letter of your first name deter- to determine your fir- new first name." So, third letter of your first name is M. So M equals princess according to this chart. And then use the second later letter of your last name to determine the first half of your last name. So O is glitter is the first half. Your princess glitter and then something. Third letter of your last name to determine second half. Princess glitter. No, princess glitter whip. That's you. That's, that's, Nailed that's it. totally me. Nailed, Nailed it. it. That's uh <laughs> It's pretty much perfect. <laughs> Who makes up this stuff? Yeah, you didn't do yours, though. No, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> okay, sunshine moon bottom. <laughs> it's, uh, that's pretty adequate. <laughs> it's uh, right on. It's, it's eerily uncanny how the, the stripper names are real accurate. All right, after just a few breaths, Claude appeared to lose consciousness. He wasn't breathing. The other diver dropped Claude's weights and brought him to the surface. And Claude died during transport to the hospital. So I remember, I mean, like just like being down at 100 feet, laying on this shipwreck like we were just talking about, just waiting for this perfect shot and like just slowly having no no awareness whatsoever so you just slowly run completely out of gas consuming every breath in that tank I mean, I mean i've been on dives before where i i saw and heard a photographer's camera or a photographer's computer beeping and flashing as we swam by and i had to stop and tell him dude what are you doing you gotta go like it it's it's that mentality of getting lost in the camera that happens so quickly because they haven't taken the time to really get that experience to warrant being in the water with a camera because it's such a big awareness stealer. It is, but I mean, you know, just reading this story and the whole idea that he grew bored in, in his very young diving career which I find very, very telling that people become bored that quickly. Claude's not alone. We see it all the time. People come in diving and they go out. Well, yeah. You're, people come in, they're highly excitable. Buy gear, you know, blow two grand. Well, because they're patted on the back and told that they're doing awesome. Yeah. But are they? Well, that's my, that's my point, right? They're, they're told they're doing great so that they spend money. And it's the first time that they realize, oh, I actually got to put work into this when they get that realization. Yeah. Well, this points to bigger philosophical humanities type questions or, or topics, which is if you don't put value in something, in other words, if you don't have to work for it, people don't see value in it and they grow bored with it. They toss it to the side. What I've learned when I would teach a class for friends and family, oh, I'm going to give you a super good deal. You're my a family friend, whatever. Give it to them at a really good deal. Almost so I'm not 
making hardly any money at all. I'm just doing this as a friend because this is what I do. I love diving. I like to pass it on. You're a friend. You're a family member. They're the, they're the worst students ever. They're A, they don't put in time in it, into it, no right. effort. I mean, look at what so much of the industry tries to do is diving super safe, buy the best regulator. It'll never fail on you. Buy the best computer. It'll beep at you if you get low on air. It'll beep at you if you you know uh, start getting into any trouble whatsoever. You can't get hurt. The computer's going to take care of you. But when you look at an accident like this, you know, I, I guess it is possible to to not pay attention to that thousand dollar computer that you've got. <laughs> <laughs> what really? It, it's it's e- it's easy to to lose track of it, despite having you know cards that say that you're above your ability, rather than having the ability above your card, which in my opinion, how you should be trained. I get like wanting to be a solo diver as a macro photographer because my buddies my buddies are never around anyway i get that but there's training if if that's what you're going to do there's training for it there's additional redundant gear that you're going to need if you're going to play in that game you need those tools or get creative with a way to dive as a team as macro photographers you know team up with another i would say that's even yes i would say that's even the smarter thing yeah and you both don't take pictures at the same time. It's like a snorkeler kind of thing, one up, one down. Okay, you take a shot, I take a shot. You take a couple shots, I take a couple shots. But we we focus on each other and then the shot. Focus on each other and the shot kind of thing. There's the key in my belief and yours, right? It's Teamwork. You can be a good teammate and take macro photography. Yes, Right. And there's a lot of there's a lot of types of diving out there that force you into a position of solo esque diving, or I should better say that can easily force you into a solo style of diving. But what good diving behavior and good diving education and experience should have taught you is you don't let it take your awareness that far that you lose it all right that's what a good diver has the ability to do is to bring it all back to the realization of hey i'm underwater with a teammate and i want to take pictures so they say here that claude forgot one of the basic rules of diving and it cost him his life he failed to monitor his air supply, becoming so distracted by his photographic goals that he neglected everything else. Many photographers essentially dive alone, just as Claude did. To dive alone safely, a diver needs additional training and equipment. And Claude should have carried a fully independent air source in the form of a pony bottle. Further, He should have been trained in its use and practiced switching to it regularly. And along with that is he should know how much gas it's going to take him. Worst case scenario, if he had to go to that independent air source like a pony bottle, if he has to use it, right? And if he's got a... 13 cubic foot pony bottle but he needs 20 cubic feet of gas to get from 100 feet to the surface for himself that 
pony bottle ain't doing shit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like having a, having a three cubic foot spare air, <laughs> <laughs> but needing 20 cubic feet to, to do my full proper ascent. Yeah. Well, I didn't die on the bottom, but I did die on the way up. Mm-hmm. Well, what good is that? I didn't die on the bottom, but I blew my lungs clear out of my body. You know, I'm floating on the surface with my lungs hanging outside of me by the time <laughs> I get there. Now that's that a... didn't. That, I'm not any. I'm not any better off by having that independent air source. It's a matter of knowing where you're at and what it's going to cost you to get home. That's that's the basics of gas planning. Right. Ideally, you do that with two people sharing gas. But if you're going to be by yourself. Okay, you need to know that if the shit hits the fan, I still have to have this right, to get me home at the last moment all by myself. That goes to proper gas planning. Uh, again, ga- proper gas planning isn't like, okay, I've got uh, enough to bolt to the surface. You know, that whole idea of dropping your weights and bolting to the surface thing, that, that, whole, that whole philosophy, that whole mindset is, well, it's at the root of a lot of dead people. You know, <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it's something that in. I mean, when I see it and I hear it and I read about it, to me, it's 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 the product of poor education. It is, and and the poor education is a product of greed and marketing, and and trying to grab you know as much money as you can. That's that's what it comes down to. I mean, and we harp on this again. This is this is our big harp, but it's. If you just trace all these silly accidents, they have almost all of them have one thing in common. And I, when I say almost, I mean there, there's the 1% where you've got a, a well-trained diver diving as a team. They maintain their equipment. They did everything right and still something, you know, lightning strikes them or whatnot. But the vast majority, when we read through these, you know, the accident reports like we read through and whatnot, almost everything goes to a, a training mindset that that is built on uh get them through class as quick as possible sell them gear as quick as possible because you know we (laughs) we want that gear money and right and uh progress them through the different levels as quick as possible because that means more classes you know give them cards etc etc right and you've got somebody that goes through an open water program and they're told you're follow good. the instructor. You uh, you got to be back on the surface with 500 psi, and they go through an advanced class, and they're told we're going to go a little bit deeper. You got to be up on the surface with 500 psi, and then they take a deep diving specialty class, and really all they're taught is be on the. We got to be back to the surface with 500 psi. How do I do that? <laughs> and I mean. And that's this is what people are getting certifications in deep diving for, right? And it's 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 giving them zero applicable education that they can take out and dive on their own. And this is the result that you see is is situations like this. Yeah, it's easy to um, you know extrapolate all the issues that we talk about with the within the industry or slash community, and they all go to, go to you know. A, a bad quality of humanity, which is greed and um, laziness. But the laziness feeds the greed, and the greed is marketed to the lazy. There you go. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a nice. Uh, <laughs> it's a nice self fulfilling prophecy, <laughs> in, in many ways, you know. Yeah. 
The uh, you know Eric mentions a good point here, saying that not only should he have had this device, so it should have been practiced regularly. There's another thing that that people are just you know they're sold products. Oh, you're going deeper. Well, you need to have this, you know, just in case. You know, buy this extra gas, this redundant piece. But if you don't have the training in how to use it and how to properly maintain it and monitor it and you have issues with that along the way, again, it it does you no good having the product on, having the extra gear on just for formality, but it's not, it it can't be actually used. It does nobody no good. So that's another one of the, (laughs) what, what the lazy are preyed upon with is just, they know that they want to be safe. They don't have the confidence themselves down there. So they're sold a bunch of silly add-on bullshit. Right. Rather than having the right training and education for them to properly be there in the first place. They're sold that false sense of security, you know, and, and that's all from buying a piece of equipment, whether it be a silly-ass spare air or pony bottle, uh, whatever. And I... I look at just like classes, teaching classes and, and actually asking a diver, you know, they all own a SMB, a deployable SMB, right? How many right. practice it? How many actually practice pulling it out of a pocket or if they're, they don't have it in a pocket, just, just grab it, unclip it. Just watch the circus ensue when you say, okay, we're going to go down to 20 feet and I want you to deploy a marker bag as a team and it's and almost invariably and i'm not trying to make fun of people that there's a reason that happens because you never really a been taught it and b done it or practiced it or become halfway versed in it so it becomes a a circus a real circus and that's one example so there's a piece of safety equipment oh i got this i got this dsmb if i if i get blown off the line which is easy to do i'll just pop this up Right, and most of the people are taught it on the platform Mm -hmm. because, you know, the instructor knows that the one time I actually tried these get these guys to do it in midwater, it was chaos. (laughs) So that's why from now on I always do it on the training platform because they can be settled down, and it's just going through the mechanics of, like, getting the the bag out and and shooting it to the surface, and they're going to lose buoyancy when they take the – the regulator out to blow into the bag anyways. And so might as well just have them nice and steady on the platform, just just so that everybody can see it clearly. But that ain't how you blow a marker <laughs> bag. It's not how it works. No. You actually you know, so if have that's to... what you're expecting, it's going to be a shit show. It is. It's And those are just little things, too. And then going into tech, even, even tech-level divers who don't have uh, scenarios thrown at them where they have to – you know, things like get into your pockets to grab something, and they've got a deco bottle on or two deco bottles or a stage. Now, all of a sudden, this adds a new complexity. It's not a, this is not a huge thing by any means, but at depth, the clock is big, and it ticks loud, and it's, it goes, you know, time's up pretty quick. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no kidding. So yeah, yeah. If, you, if you fumble around, you know, uh, to, to try to get your wet notes yeah. in and out of your pocket at 150 feet. Takes you two or three 50, minutes. Yeah. It takes you 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. What am I saying? Two or three minutes. I've watched that. That's yeah, it takes 15 yeah, minutes like, to get a wet Do note. you have an extra 15 minutes of deco gas with you? Probably not. 
15 minutes of bottom time equals a lot of deco gas. Yeah. 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 So it's just stuff like that that on the surface, they and forgive the pun, but on the surface they go, oh, I'm going to take up deep diving. So I'm going to get me a pony bottle. I'm going to get me a, a deployable SMB. You may even get the spare mask. Practice deploying a spare mask. It sounds like an easy thing, and it kind of is easy. Yeah. If you're learning to do it in the moment when your mask implodes or gets kicked off and goes to the bottomless abyss, and you're wise enough not to chase it, you're going to have to deploy it. And it it's not a great place to learn during the actual scenario. I think. That's my opinion. It is possible that Claude had an air embolism during his ascent, but since he lost consciousness at around 60 feet, it is more likely that he drowned. It's a combination of both. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. Now, Eric mentions here that drowning is defined as death by asphyxiation after submersion in a liquid. It doesn't mean that he inhaled large quantities of water or that his lung filled with fluid. More often when someone drowns, he inhales only a teaspoon or so of water. That fluid And that fluid in the airway is enough to trigger a laryngospasm. Laryngo. Laryngospasm. Laryngospasm. Next up to the stage, laryngospasm. <laughs> Come on, let's put our hands together for <laughs> laryngospasm. The larynx spasms shut and closes off the airway. This is the body's defense against inhaling large quantities of water. But it can also cause suffocation and death if the situation is not corrected quickly. If you were to choose the name larynx for a child, would it be a boy or a girl? I think it'd be a boy. I would name it a boy. It sounds more like a boy's name. It sounds like something more like the ones I'd name a pet. Larynx? Larynx. Come here, larynx. Larynx! <laughs> larynx! Larynx! Get up! Down, larynx! Get, out, get over! Down, larynx! Down! Larynx, if you get in the garbage one more time, we're going to have to... We're going to have to have a chat, buddy. <laughs> All right. So the lessons for life in this week's episode from scubadiving.com, lessons for life. Number one, monitor your air supply. There's no excuse for running out of air underwater. No photograph is worth dying for. Make it a point to glance at your pressure gauge every few minutes. You can also invest in a wrist gauge or one that displays your air pressure in your mask. Now, as much as I feel that these are not a necessity by any stretch of the imagination, in uh, Claude's case, he should have had definitely had a heads up mask. <laughs> you know, what a hell. I mean, if this is the type of diving he's going to do, being completely mind numb not paying attention to anything but the front of that mask yeah you know what he can see in the front of that mask being the settings on his com uh, camera yeah well that's what you should have number two if you're not prepared to dive solo then find a buddy with similar expectations and again just having a buddy isn't enough is not sufficient right you can't have a buddy that wants to swim around the whole entire wreck and go look at the bow while you just want to sit down at the stern of the ship, you know, waiting for the eel to pop his head out. That's not a buddy. That's not a buddy that you would want to be in the water with that has similar expectations for the dive. That's just another diver in the water. Yeah, big difference. Number three, if you want to learn to dive solo, then you need to invest in the time and the gear to do so safely. 
just saying that you're a photographer, so you're going to dive solo, and, but you're going to assume all the other rules of just basic <laughs> buddy diving is not solo diving. Being in the water by yourself is not solo diving. Having the training, the equipment, and the awareness to dive solo would be solo diving. Safe solo diving or but, safer, yeah, but, but, I guess. But finding yourself without a buddy all by yourself solo. That's solo diving. I'd argue with you. I have to challenge that because it is solo diving. It, it's it's not proper solo diving. Proper is the, yeah, you need the adjective to describe like a well thought out solo diving or um, adequately prepared solo diving. So that, and that's what I think he's, he was saying. If you're alone and you're diving, you're solo diving. Are you diving, you know, reasonably safely like that? No, probably not. And number four, Eric says, practice emergency techniques so you'll be ready in an actual emergency. True. And we keep saying all this practice stuff. And uh, you do see people practicing occasionally. But the key word or the key qualifier with that practice makes perfect is perfect practice makes perfect. In other words, you have to be practicing things that work. If you're practicing something wrong, in other words, if you're practicing a procedure or something that's really not well thought out, you're actually reinforcing bad habits and something that may come to bite you. Yeah, you're reinforcing the the bad reaction to take place when something does occur. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's what we would see when we would train people that have been diving for 25 and 30 years, even at instructor level and mix instructors is they have so many, I don't want to call them bad habits, but they, it's basically bad habits is what it is. They have so many of these uh, practices that you, it's very difficult to retrain them to what we would call a proper way to handle an air share or handle a ma- an old mask or, you know, anything that happens underwater as a team, how you would do this, how to do it in good buoyancy, with good buoyancy trim and, and how to use a good propulsion technique when they've practiced poor propulsion techniques, poor trim, and really no adequate level of buoyancy control should something go on. For example, mask comes off, they immediately dip to their knees and look for something to hold on to. Right. And, you know, one weekend of good training is probably not going to fix it. No, it's a constant it's gonna take. It's going to take some time to, to really get that to come out of you when you need it. you got to really retrain how you do everything in the water. Well, hey, all right, everybody. That is what happens when you don't pay attention. Photography can take your life just like it did Claude's. Well... What do you think there, uh, Sunshine Moonbottom? Should we sign these <laughs> logbooks? Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's call this a dive. Okay. Go ahead there, okay. Princess Glitter Whip. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you for noticing. Uh, despite your F-stops being impeccable, you, sir, are out of gas. <laughs> Way to zoom in on my faults, James. Don't lose focus. All right, everybody. Uh, back at some photography. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Those of you who have been asking for it. Uh, we will get back to more soon. We'll talk to you guys next week. Safe diving, folks.
Bro, what? What? 